the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, June 18th, 2021. Yesterday, in signing legislation creating the federal holiday Juneteenth, President Joe Biden said this is, quote, first new national holiday since the creation of Martin Luther King holiday nearly four decades ago, close quote. My first thought, hell of a systematically racist country, that. The only holidays proclaimed in the last 40 years are two of them, and they're to honor and show respect for black Americans. Then I thought again, how many federal holidays are there? With Juneteenth, it turns out we now have 11, which gives us nearly 20% of our federal holidays dedicated to honoring and respecting black Americans. Keeping in mind, as Charles Murray reminded us yesterday, black Americans constitute 13% of the population. I'd happily add the 4th of July as a federal holiday that honors and respects black Americans as well. But right now, too much of the country would rather we make 1619 a holiday to commemorate slavery rather than the 4th of July, which commemorates freedom. I call that nostalgia de la buie, nostalgia for the mud. The best use of that phrase is Tom Wolfe's in his essay on radical chic, the fundraising party, Leonard Bernstein threw for the Black Panthers. The analogy could not be more appropriate either, given the times. Wolf there wrote, quote, It was at the party that a Black Panther field marshal rode up beside the North piano. There was also a South piano in Leonard Bernstein's living room and outlined the Panthers' 10-point program to a room full of socialites and celebrities who giddy with nostalgia de la buie, entertained a vision of the future in which, after the revolution, there would no longer be any such thing as a two-story, 13-room apartment on Park Avenue with twin grand pianos in the living room for one family. My thoughts on Juneteenth are that I hope it can replace and repeal any further reference to the BLM movement, a movement based in and bathed in Marxism, whose money comes exactly from a future in which, after the revolution, there would no longer be any such thing as people able to give hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars in donations to such a cause as BLM or any cause. Why do I think Juneteenth would be a positive exchange for BLM and its ethics for the exact opposite reasons Greg Moore in today's era Zona Republic writes about Juneteenth. Mr. Moore writes today, quote, Today, slaves' descendants in America still must fight for basic equality and recognition. We're even fighting for that history to be taught in schools with code words like critical race theory, close quote. Now, hold on just a moment. Descendants of slaves in America are today fighting and must fight for basic Equality and recognition? Who actually believes this? Believes this, and, and where is it possibly true? Call me myopic, but I never thought the presidency or Supreme Court or Senate or House of Representatives or any other number of major offices and stations in life 
from Hollywood to New York that creates billionaires amongst amongst its ranks was exactly basic equality and recognition. But that is America and the potential and in many cases real black experience in America. It is not a country that denies basic equality to anyone. It conveys more freedom and equality to every single citizen and human being in this country than any other country on the face of Earth or in the face of Earth's history. And I'm sorry, you are not fighting for the history of slavery and its aftermath to be taught in schools, fending off will-o'-the-wisps like the chimera of critical race theory. We've all been taught slavery and about it. And perhaps once once upon a time not so long ago, we were taught about it better than we are today as well. I was looking up the standard American history textbook used from the 1940s onward until about 20 years ago with updated editions, of course. In that out-of-date, quote-unquote, textbook, slavery is mentioned over 80 times by my last recollection. And that is what we are told is an what we are told is an out-of-date book that needs up supplanting to embrace the faults and fault lines in America, especially when it comes to the black experience, race, and slavery in America. Eighty times. Maybe with the correct learning about Juneteenth, that junk thinking can be dispensed with as well. But we're not done here. Mr. Moore was not quite done. He continued in his piece, asking, why is Juneteenth important? He writes, well, it's only important if you think all lives matter. It's an odd construction. But if he's trying to tell us that the American thread running from the Declaration of Independence to the Emancipation Proclamation is better understood by Juneteenth, I'm all for it. I don't think that's what he's saying, though. All life mattering being some kind of modern day racist dog whistle as the left tells us. But Mr. Moore melds too much, too much ignorance, when he writes this in his op-ed today, quote, The 4th of July is really a celebration of American independence from British control, but whatever freedoms that conferred, did any of them imply to enslaved Africans and their descendants? Close quote. Hmm. Did they? Well, as Tom West has written, every leading founder acknowledged that slavery was wrong. Slavery was legal and practiced in every state in 1776. But by the end of the founding era, more than 100,000 slaves had been freed by the outlawing of slavery in seven of the original 13 states. Most important, the ground for the eventual total abolition of slavery was laid in establishment of the equality principle at the center of the American Founding, as written and understood by Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, Franklin Hamilton, Adams Washington, and others. Might we listen to Frederick Douglass? Might we listen to what he thought about whether the Declaration of Independence and our founding had something to say about slaves and slavery? In his famous speech on the 4th of July, often quoted out of context, here with Frederick Douglass on the founding and its meaning to the slave. Quote, I differ from those who charge this slavery baseness is based on the framers of the Constitution of the United States. It is a slander upon their memory, at least so I believe. 
The Constitution is empty from any design to support slavery for an hour. Fellow citizens, he goes on, there is no matter in respect to which the people of the North have allowed themselves to be so ruinously imposed upon as that of the pro-slavery character of the Constitution. In that instrument, I hold, there is neither warrant, license, nor sanction of the hateful thing. But, interpreted as it ought to be, the Constitution is a glorious liberty document. Read its preamble. Consider its purposes. Is slavery among them? Is it at the gateway? Or is it in the temple? It is none of the above. Well, I do not intend to argue that this question on the present occasion, let me ask if it not be somewhat singular, that if the Constitution were intended to be by its framers and adopters a slaveholding instrument, why is neither slavery slaveholding nor a slave as a word anywhere found in the Constitution? What would be thought of an instrument drawn up, legally drawn up, for the purpose of entitling the city of Rochester to a tract of land in which no mention of land was made? So what is this business about the falsity of critical race theory? I can give it to you right here. I just did. CRT, critical race theory, would not have you read what I just quoted to you from Frederick Douglass. It would only quote other parts of that speech of his that constitute indictments of America. The portions Colin Kaepernick likes to tweet out around this time every year. A non-CRT curriculum, though, would give you the whole document and let you learn for yourself. Think for yourself and be critical for yourself using your own critical skills without the lens of the document from only one angle, the CRT angle, seen this way as it is, I believe, is thus actually not expanding education. It's not an expansion of knowledge and learning, a cutting edge or a compass to vaster horizons by deploying critical race theory. It is nearly by its stinting design, embraced in its very name, attended by its cancel culture censorship certitude, a constraining and narrowing and contracting of viewpoints, angles, context, knowledge, and learning. And finally, the idiotic hypocrisy we are supposed to swallow based on woke word salads thrown at us so self-contradictory as to be unbelievable and incredible if taken seriously in the repose of analysis rather than kinetically in the storm of crisis-type hysteria which they want from us. For example, after writing at the top of his op-ed today in the Arizona Republic, Mr. Moore writes, Slavery's descendants still must fight for basic equality and recognition. But at the end of his op-ed, Mr. Moore writes this, quote, Black people, broadly speaking, can live where we want, work where we want, go to school where we want, and aspire to be anything from a moging move." A movie mogul like Terry, excuse me, a movie mogul like Tyler Perry to the president like Barack Obama. How do you have a society that needs to fight for basic equality and recognition, basic equality and recognition, as he says, when that society can, as he later says, live where it wants, work where it wants, go to school where it wants, and aspire to be anything from a billionaire to a president as it wants? How do you have her do that? You do not, because you cannot. It is irrational. Unless 
words don't mean anything anymore, or rather mean only in the service of propaganda what Humpty Dumpty or the speaker says the words should mean. I was put in mind of what George Orwell wrote in his essay, Politics in the English Language. He wrote, if thought corrupts language, language can also corrupt thought. And it seems to me an awful lot of language has corrupted an awful lot of our thought. Language spawned by neologisms birthed over the past six or so years. Neologisms like other woke, neo-fascist, tyrant, existential, systemic, inherent bias, whiteness, white privilege, black lives matter, defund, targeting, equity. Those are big words, especially twisted as they are by knaves to make traps for fools. You can change, if not ruin a country with words like the foregoing. And pointing this out, ironically, is the thing that gets banned. So if Juneteenth is codified to do what it originally was intended to do, commemorate the enforcement and thus celebration of Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, that would to me be a great thing as Abraham Lincoln was a great man and the Emancipation Proclamation was a great thing, taking us back to the understanding of 1776 and certainly not 1619 or any other year. If 1619 were our founding, please understand you don't get an Emancipation Proclamation. The Emancipation Proclamation, after all, was based on the notion that all men were created equal, not that some men were created slave, as 1619 tries to establish. Oh, and the Emancipation Proclamation is dated by and to the writing of the Declaration of Independence 87 years prior. As K. James put it, Juneteenth, based on the Emancipation Proclamation, says that we as a nation recognize that the institution of slavery was an absolute conflict with our very core principles and values from our founding, and that Americans fought an entire war to get rid of that institution of slavery. And I would just remind the vast majority of states and Americans who fought that war, the vast majority were anti-slavery, they were in the Union, and the vast majority of states and Americans who fought that war, the vast minority of states and Americans who fought that war, the vast minority in the Confederacy were pro-slavery. I have no idea where the majority was anti-slavery and the vast minority pro. I have no idea why we want to bury that fact and promote the minority pro-slavery sentiment as naturally ours and representative of us when the majority, the vast majority anti-slavery sentiment actually always really was. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. It's Friday. It's summer. We're going to have a little fun today, can't we? Open Lines Friday. Your show totally 602 <clears throat> 602-508-0960. 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind you want to talk about? I'll do anything you want except medical advice and legal advice. Unless it's legal analysis, I can do that a little bit. A little bit. I did some yesterday in my monologue. We can do little more today <clears throat> if you want. Um, I kind of wanted to offer you something. There's this funny thing about music and radio, talk radio and bumper music. 
um, Bill will know what I'm talking about. It's hard to describe. But there's a certain population of this audience or any audience, as I've noticed over the years, that engages in special pleading. I guess that's the way to put it. And asks if I could play a certain song for the bumper. And sometimes I will. But today, because it's Friday, it's uh, it's summer, um, I'm going to give the audience an opportunity to actually do that. And if an audience member here wants to call in with a bumper music suggestion and we approve of it, a song we have not thought of, and it meets the standards of Bill and myself, we will add it to the list and we'll throw it in. We've done a job lately of fixing um, our bumper music, adjusting our bumper music Replacing some old stuff, putting in some new stuff. So, if you have a song you want um, you want us to put into the bumper, that is that music that goes to a commercial or comes in from a break, commercial break. I heard Adam Carolla call it an outro the other day. I guess that's industry standard intros and outros. Anyway, if you have a song you suggest it would be good for us and we like it, we'll add it. You can do that today with us too. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is your passport. Most Americans believe in law and order is a truism. And our friends at Issues and Insights write today, but they don't believe that the federal government should suppress their entirely legitimate political beliefs, which is exactly what the Biden administration is doing now. If you want to know why I spend so much time on the First Amendment, there is a reason. We all count on robust public safety, every one of us, unfortunately, Taking a page from critical race theory, President Joe Biden seems to think, or his far-left aides do, anyway, that the only people who need to be watched are non-Democrats and those on the right. That was the theme of the past week. That's been the theme since January 6. How else to explain the Biden administration-released strategy for fighting domestic terrorism in March the National Security Council determined that domestic violence extremism posed a heightened threat in 2021. Today's domestic terrorists espouse a range of violent ideological motivations, including racial or ethnic bigotry and hatred, as well as anti-government or anti-authoritarian sentiment, the document said. Go through it, and you'll see. All of the examples are so-called right-wing militias and even the misguided January 6th demonstrations and riots at our nation's capital. There are no mentions or even allusions in Biden's national strategy to the literally hundreds of riots and dozens of killings that accompanied the far-left uprisings in more than 140 cities across our nation over the last year, perpetrated by Black Lives Matter and Antifa and heartily supported by leftist Democrats. Do recall When the sun went down on January 6th, Congress went back to work in Congress. There are police who couldn't go back to work because their stations were burnt down. More on this when we come back. 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 602-508-0960. John is in... Rainbow City. Where's Rainbow City, John? Uh, no, it's actually Rainbow Valley, south of Buckeye. Oh, okay, Rainbow Valley, south of Buckeye. No yeah, kidding. Yeah. Okay. It's beautiful out here. It's a diamond in the rough. If I had a zip code of uh, Scottsdale, my house would be worth a million dollars, but it's not. 
No kidding. Beautiful, beautiful. Hey, Seth, your opening monologues just give me so much ammunition to fight my liberal family with. Uh, your monologues are just so inspiring. Thanks for those. Thank you. But, um, off the subject here really quick, you know, you can answer this later on, but if they, if you could pick a rock group, living or dead, to put a personal concert for you, who would you pick? That's one question. What's going on with the audit here in Arizona? Because, you know, we I want to know the truth. And will the truth ever come out about this insurrection BS that's happening? Those people are still in jail for trespassing? Is there an end? I mean, how, how, do, how do we ever get the truth? Well, you've asked a lot of good questions in a short uh, series, John. Let's uh, let's let's do the re- let's go in reverse order. Okay. <laughs> How do you ever get the truth? You got to do your own work these days, and uh, you've got to. Um, you've. You, you, I'm happy to help recommend websites and uh, places to go, but it's harder to be a conservative because if you're a liberal or a lefty, all you have to do is just rely on what CBS or the New York Times or the Washington Post says, and. You're good to go. Whereas if you're a conservative, you're a little more sophisticated than that. You tend to know that that's not the whole story and usually isn't the fair part of the story. So you kind of got to do your own work. And I, I send people on basic news of the day. I send people to Powerline and the Federalist is a pretty good start. There's a lot of other places to go. I like issues and insights. Uh, occasionally you can get something good from the Wall Street Journal editorial page. But you just have to know how to do your own work these days uh, because you cannot oh, trust yeah, the I, media. I, you just cannot. They are yeah, agenda. Did you? I, did you? you know, no, I, you're I, not interrupting. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, but how do we get the people on the left to see the truth? You know, I, I get the truth, and I, I really believe I know what's going on, but it's not me. It's all these other leftists out here that just want to destroy my country. They may be my doing God. their own job. You know, I, I meant to do this yesterday. I had a candidate for office on the show yesterday. He's running for state representative. And we did an interview, and I asked him, you know, about his biography, about what he wants to do. I pushed him on a few of his proposals. I pushed on a few uh, hot-button issues, all fair and all, I think, fair. Uh, I think fair because they, they, you know, they released the, 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 the audio of it to their own supporters and uh, the rest of the media. And I was thinking about that in the context of another interview on politics that took place the day before. I don't know if you saw it, John, but did you see the interview from Channel uh, 3's Dennis Welch with uh, one of the candidates for governor named Carrie Lake? It was yeah, nine I saw minutes. That and you saw it? Yeah, I, I like her. Yeah, I, did I, you see it? Well, yes. Uh, did, you see, did you see that interview? No, I never saw that, but I, I've watched, I, I looked her, her website up and I've watched, you know, her, 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 her website. Well, it was scenario. nine minutes. It was nine minutes, literally nine minutes. She had promised five. She ga- she guaranteed five. And it was nine minutes of Dennis Welch asking her about a single political donation she or her husband made in 2004 to the John Kerry campaign for presidency. And what had happened was evidently on the FEC Federal Election Commission list is it had listed her as making the donation, and she was saying it was her husband. And the reason there's some confusion is it listed the employer, and the employer was her husband's employer, not her employer. And it was just probably the mistake of transposing the first initial of the name. But in any event, Dennis Welch, the local reporter, spent nine minutes trying to drill down on why they would give money to Carrie in 04, what that says, why that's a fair question. And you got to learn nothing 
zero about why Carrie Lake was running for governor. She may or may not be your candidate. You may or may not like her. She has a lot to prove, no doubt. But my gosh, if you're going to have an interview with a political reporter, you'd think they could do more than ask one gotcha question that was relevant uh, five presidential races ago as opposed to now. Now, she could have had certainly a better answer than she did. But that having been said, it just shows you the difference between a journalism that has a position, which is Channel 3, and a journalism which has a position, mine, but actually respects the viewers enough to ask questions that they think will help the viewers rather than the agenda of the corporate management. It's really not hard. It's really not And for journalists to engage in the kind of quote-unquote journalism that Dennis Welch engaged in, it's not journalism. It's not smart. It's not clever. It's not showing great research. And it's not what the audience wants. Welcome back. Uh, What was the other question John asked me, Bill, if I could see any band or is that it? What was it? If I could see any concert? Whew, I don't know. If I could have front row and I be any concert? It's a great question. I'd like to ask the audience that question, too. be a great, great way to get a sense of what people like. Uh, my answer is uh, not conducive to expanding our bumper library, but it's probably Simon and Garfunkel. I think they are an amazingly gifted primarily Paul Simon, but I like the uh, addition of Garfunkel. He brings something to it. Simon didn't need him. Simon wrote all the music and was the musician. Garfunkel had that kind of higher voice, but Simon didn't need it. They probably need it today. (laughs) I saw Paul Simon sing at the 2016 Democratic Convention. did not go well. (laughs) Welcome back. 602-508-0960. Mark is in Phoenix. Hello, Mark. Hey, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? Good. And uh, just had a suggestion for a little bumper music. Okay. All right. Um, this is important because you could either be, you know, highly praised or highly made fun of. This well, is I high know. risk. I'm taking, a, I'm taking a big gamble. I know. Here. It's high risk and moderate reward. This is my favorite artist. Okay. And I hate his politics. Uh-huh. So We're, yeah, we got to we got to know that that's just going to be the case no matter what almost. Okay. Unless you like Ted yeah, Nugent, we're go. we're kind of or Meatloaf, we're kind of done on <laughs> on musicians, yeah. Exactly. Um Don Henley's The Boys of Summer. All right. And you're 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 partially right, Mark. Um Don Henley is a good answer. The Boys of Summer is a bad selection. Well, let me tell you is why. Is that offensive? Sorry, sub- go ahead. No, there's a there's a little subplot to this. Okay. Not only the All song, right. not only the <laughs> fact that we're in the dog days of summer. Yeah. But the boys of summer is a um, is a reference to baseball, and our D backs right now are in desperate need of some kind of jump start. Uh, you know, I mean, it's embarrassing what they're putting out on the field right now. So it's I, I love the song. It's got a great pace to it, and maybe it will. Uh, reinvigorate the D-backs a little bit. That's a reach, so it? that's interesting. All right. All right. It's, um, it's, it's, it's his least good song, I have to tell well, you. Compared well, to, you know, you know other well, things like stuff. stuff he did with the Eagles or 
even in his solo career, The End right. of Innocence, my gosh, that's Heart a much better song. Heart of the Matter, New York Minute, all yeah, of that Heart is of the better. Matter is, if I meet somebody that doesn't like Heart of the Matter, um, I, I can't be friends with them. I'll tell you, Mark, you and I are close to so much on the same page, so much so that I'm revisiting my answer of Simon and Garfunkel to saying if we could bring back, you know, the original characters from the Eagles, that might be the band I'd rather see in the front row. Yeah, that's... They that's had an awful lot of talent. Did you ever watch that documentary on the Eagles on Showtime? I've, I've watched everything ever put out by the Eagles, and uh, I've got all the music DVDs. It's a great... Do- it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It's Showtime. It's about four hours. Glenn Fry does this, says two great things in there. Uh, and I don't like him, and he's not likable. But he said, um, people don't listen to the Eagles, they do the Eagles. They kind of live the Eagles, in other words. I thought that was right. And the other funny thing he says, and then we hired Joe Walsh, and he was the three most interesting people I ever met. <laughs> hey, speaking of politics and the Eagles, do you know what started the big rift? And if you saw the documentary, you'll probably remember this. The big rift between uh, Glenn Fry and um, Don Felder yeah. when they almost went to blows. Do you remember? What, I what think it had to do – okay, this is stretching my memory, uh, my, Mark, but I think it had to do with the fact that Felder wanted to sing a song that they thought would be better in the voice of Don Henley. And they sent Felder to lunch while Henley recorded it to kind of just not even allow him the opportunity. Didn't it come from something like that, or am I wrong? Well, that was part of it, but this actually happened on stage live. They, I remember that uh, the on stage one, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was where the F word started flying. Yeah, wanting to do a a big fundraiser for Alan Cranston, right? And Felder thought it was stupid yep. that they were doing this freebie show, yeah, and. And they were screaming at each other during the song, and Glenn Fry was like, wait till this song is over, and I'm going to punch you right. and all that kind of That's crazy right. stuff. That's right, yeah. Don Felder, <laughs> tremendously uh, tremendously gifted. So that's him and Joe Walsh on California at the end, right? Hotel California, that's him and Joe Walsh going back and forth. I think it is. Yes. And yes, it uh, is. it's a tremendous piece of work. The record company wanted to cut it out, right? And the Eagles said, then we won't give you the song, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, okay, here's a little tr- quick trivia question. Since you brought up, um, do you know the most successful rock and roll duo uh, of all times? They sold the most records of anybody in all times. Oh, that is a fabulous. Are good. It's most a fabulous good. question, and my inclination is to say something like Sonny and Cher. My inclination is to say something like. You know, weird. Something weird, like Captain and Tennille or Hall and Oates. Well, I don't know. Who would it be? It is Hall and Oates. It is most Hall and people, <laughs> It's Hall and Oates. Okay. People, All right. I got us there. Okay. Yeah. Most people think it's Simon and Garfunkel. And um, I have a hard time believing Hall and Oates outsold Simon and Garfunkel. I really do. Well, they just had a much longer run. Is that right? They, okay. And they still like each other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I won't do this on the air. But you and I have uh, very dear speaking of music, uh, a mutual friend, and um, you can do it on air. And, uh, the Sonus Brothers, yeah, and um, they're dear friends of mine. And I'm, I'm actually an entertainer, and I, I've toured with Hall and Oates, and that's how I know a lot of Hall and Oates. No stuff. kidding, and, no kidding. And the Sonus Brothers suggested that you and I 
and them have lunch someday and talk about politics, and I'd love to do that sometime. It's a whole different story, but I thought I'd monopolize everything I could. That's fine. If we can have lunch with them another time and talk music, and we can educate them about music, Mark. They know a lot about politics. I worry that they don't know that much about music. (laughs) That's That's my concern. Uh, if anyone doesn't know who the Saunas Brothers are, S-A-H-N-A-S, uh, they are uh, two of the most talented musicians in Phoenix, guitar and bass and gu- Spanish guitar players, Dimitri and Thano, my, some of my oldest friends. And uh, it's nice that, um, it, Mark, it's nice that you, you think of them. I saw Dimitri earlier this week. They are just, they're just wonderful, wonderful musicians. It's, it's, uh, yeah, they, they've been delightful friends. And Don't you think... Uh, Mark is probably a, a great world-class guitarist. I mean, I, I I just think you know, as a matter of the draw, he could have been, he could have been as big as, you know, if if, if the wand fell on the right time in the right place, he could have been as big as I, Eddie Van Halen or Ringve Malmsteen. You know, I'm telling you, every time I turn someone onto their music, they just uh, yeah. they just are amazed. You're right. Yeah. That just. Yeah. It reaches your soul. Here's a little of them. Thanks, Mark. What a nice thought. What a nice Friday thought. We'll be right back. This song was meant for a Friday, wasn't it? A Friday afternoon? You just want to hear Chicago on a Friday afternoon, it seems like. Originally, CTA. That was the name of the band originally, Bill. What did it stand for? Ask Anthony. Yeah, Chicago Transit Authority. That's right. Roger's in Phoenix. Hi, Roger. Roger, are you there? Roger in Phoenix going once. Roger in Phoenix going twice. Roger, give us a call back. Sorry, I'd love to take your call. Um, Our friends over, I was mentioning this website earlier. I do think it's important and critical reading um, the website Issues and Insights. And as I was saying, they were talking a little bit today in one of their editorials about the creeping police state, the creeping police state. And it's interesting how news comes out once in a while, isn't it? Under the mainstream, under cable, and to a degree under talk radio, although not absent from talk radio, is the story of what's going on with the January 6th rioters. There's really only about two or three journalists that have stayed on the case. And what's interesting is that finally it's beginning to make a little bit of news, a little bit. You have to stay on and push, push, push. Who was our caller earlier and said, how do you get it out? You push, push, push. Sean Hannity did not give up on Jeremiah Wright. In 2007, and finally Barack Obama couldn't avoid it anymore. We have not given up on January 6th, and maybe it won't be avoidable anymore. But President Biden seems to think that the only people who need government surveillance are non-Democrats, those of us on the right. And this is what you see, as I was saying from his recently released strategy on domestic terrorism. There are no mentions or even allusions in the national strategy to, as I was saying, the hundreds of riots and dozens of killings that were brought to you by the far left last summer in 140 cities. Those left 
leftist riots cost as much as $2 billion and killed 27 people while injuring more than 2,000 police officers. The January 6th insurrection, in which no one was charged with insurrection, yeah, there was damage there too, and death, $1.5 million worth of damage. It's not $2 billion, but it's a lot. And of course, one person dead, military veteran Ashley Babbitt, a protester, Shot by a U.S. Capitol Police officer, or maybe not. The name of the shooter is withheld from the public as if it's a state secret, which it is. Is this democracy? Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We will be right back. You can 